Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Bear Style Podcast on a Tuesday. We got a recap, put a bow on the USC regular season, eight and four for the Trojans, and we're going to do that in style. We got Keely Yor in studio. What's up, Keely? Hello. And we got Dan Weber on the line. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Doing all right, and we're going to talk about the Trojan football team. There's going to be some talk about the USC UCLA game. You guys know that might have happened over the weekend, only a couple days ago, but. People are focused on the future, guys. It's not like recruiting. They're focused on what's going to happen with this team. we got a lot of questions from all you guys, so we'll do our best to answer them. It's a packed show. If you do have any questions for us, we'll keep doing shows these coming weeks, even though there's no more games. We'll know next week where USC's going bowling and all that, but podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or if you'd like to call or text us, 424-254-9141 is the number. Keep them brief. It's, I'm talking to you, uh, Bobby, in, in L.A. You can't do the three-minute voicemails, man. Um, so, yeah, keep them brief. We want the, we want to hear from you guys, but edit yourself a minute. We can't go longer than a minute because you're just going to be rambling on. So, sorry, Bobby. We can't listen to you on this one. Direct uh, call out. Well, you got to. Yeah, he calls the Tunnel Vision and stuff, too. Keely pointed out, and he'll like to uh, give eight he points. He keeps it brief on, on Tunnel Vision, though. Yeah. So, brief on the voicemails. Like, you're, like, in your mind... Picture what a minute is. Talk for a minute and time yourself because when it becomes three minutes, that's a lot longer. All right. We don't need to get into that. If you guys want to subscribe, that's a great way to, to help the show. Subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any of the podcasting apps like Stitcher or TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio. We got them on, on that stuff now, on Megaphone, all the places you can subscribe. And please leave some kind of positive feedback, a re- you know, a nice review. Five stars are always great. Tell your friends about it. Hey, it's the holidays. If you don't can't afford to get them a gift, tell them about the podcast. Hey, this is free. You know that's that's a great sure. way to spread cheer and joy. Through is that is that lame, Keely? I don't know. A little bit, okay. but that's fine. <laughs> it's a free. It's a gift of gab. You listen to us. Um, we have a lot of gabbing we got to do. We do because there's a lot of stuff going on. We should probably talk about the game first. Um, Fifty-two to thirty-five. USC beats UCLA. I thought it was. Uh, you know, offensively, sort of what we were expecting throughout the whole year. Defensively, not that great. Uh, special teams, one of the worst uh, that we've seen. So, and, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that harps on special teams. But, Keely, anything kind of stand out to you? We'll get to Dan in a second. But anything stand out to you? I mean, I think this was the combination of, you know, Keaton Slovis and the offense really finding their groove. But I think it also is just a testament to how bad UCLA's passing defense Oof, yeah. is. I mean, coming into the game, they were ranked, I think, 123rd in the nation. They've dropped to 129 since this game. Um, but I think it was a, com- a good storm for USC to really uh, have a historic day of- offensively. So that was at least fun to watch. But, um, you know, I think it points to, and I talked about this on Tunnel Vision, if you're going to do the Notre Dame rebuild, that means the whole rebuild. And so what was the problems in this game? It was defense and special teams, the things that weren't rebuilt in the offseason. So I think this was kind of a microcosm of what happens if you don't kind of promise what you do, what you promised, you know? Yeah, I got you. What about you, Dan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're going to, you know, you know, 
really rebuild and go start over uh, and do all the things that Lynn Swan actually called them out correctly. He just didn't want to do it, but uh, he, he called it. And if you've got basically if you got four coordinators, you change one of them uh, and you keep the other three, including the recruiting coordinator. And what happens to those other three areas of your football program? So I think it's a little disingenuous to say this is a program that's improving. Uh, there's progress from year to year. I mean, obviously they didn't quit like last year. They do compete. They do, you know. But are they progressing on defense? Are they progressing on special teams? You know, are they progressing recruiting wise? You know, I think you don't even have to, you know, do any statistical analysis to say no, no, and no. So, uh, you know, it's great that uh, the kids on offense got to have fun and, and got to show what they can do and 400 yard receivers. And that's great. And, uh, and Graham Harrell uh, deserves credit for, I think kind of changing the direction of the, the way they thought they were going to go. If you looked at what they had JT doing in game one, uh, a lot of dink and dunk stuff and quick open stuff. And now, you know, they're, they're saying, you want to try to take that away from us. We're going to throw the ball deep. And we've got better, you know, we got guys that are way better than, uh, than you, you have to defend those guys. Now, they were here all year. And, um, you know, we saw that in the Utah game with Matt Fink as quarterback, that Utah tried to play them straight up, couldn't. Cal, toward the end of the year, the other, you know, better defensive team than the Pac-12, uh, they tried to play USC straight up. They got burned. Uh, USC's got some real, you know, serious talent. Yeah. And when you look at them matched up against, you know, people uh, like a Cal, like a, a UCLA, you realize USC's just a lot better. The same we saw uh, in uh, the Stanford game early. You said, wow, they're, they're just a lot better. The fact that they lost to a Washington team and didn't act like, oh, that wasn't so bad, when you realize Washington didn't, doesn't compare athletically with USC and don't even bring up Brigham Young. Uh, this team, you know, for those of us who predicted 10 and 2, heck, it should have probably been 11 and 1. Uh, even with what happened at quarterback, just because, uh, and you got to give them credit, you know, for finding Keaton Slovis, for giving him a chance, uh, for, for, you know, bringing him on. But uh, this is a team that just on offense alone, could have, should have, would have been 11 and one. Uh, and, you know, here they are happy as can be. Uh, and one of the problems is they're really happy about how this has turned out eight and four. And they're not even, you know, in any really good position on, on their own to win the PAC 12 South. That's just totally unacceptable with this kind of talent to not right now have much of a chance to win the PAC 12 South. Again, for USC, that's unacceptable. Yeah, and I think when you look at this team and just the administration for this football program, just make the right decisions. Just make the common sense decisions instead of being reluctant to do what is obvious to everyone. You made a great move on the offensive side of the ball. It's it's worked out well. It's taken some time. If you would have done the same thing on defense and special teams – you win. Like that's all you have to do is like, you know what? We're going to go in another direction and have someone that's better at these positions. We're going to hire better people. All you had to do was that, like just make the simple 
logical decision. And for whatever reason, there's something around USC, they're drinking in the water or whatever, that they're not allowed to do that. Don't go out and hire the, the obvious people that are good. Let's do something else. And we, we're USC. Let's do other things. This the pack you beat every team in the Pac-12 South. This is ridiculous. Like to be eight and four is inexcusable with this roster. It's all self-inflicted, in my opinion. That's why USC has to go in another direction. We're gonna get to all that stuff uh with the questions and everything. I want to let people know about Trader Joe's. It's Thanksgiving week, guys. So make sure you gotta go to Trader Joe's. We do this read for the uh uh Peristyle pregame show. Uh they they talk about Dan Weber's favorite, the corn pudding, but we're gonna my mom and I are gonna head over there. My mom's in town. Going to head over there and uh, do our little Trader Joe's run, you know, two days before Thanksgiving. I like to do that because then you probably have to do another one the day before because you forget some stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the day of a lot of times because you forget (laughs) some more stuff. But, uh, you know, make sure you get in there. I got to try the corn pudding. Hopefully they got some left because I haven't picked mine up yet. But have you made a run yet, Keely? I have not. I will once I am done working, but uh, I'm excited. Thanksgiving. You've been busy. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. But make sure you go check out Trader Joe's. They've been awesome to us. And it's a great place to go at Thanksgiving. Because if you want you want to get, especially like, you want to get some nice wine. Maybe you want extra bottles around. I mean, they got like $8 bottles of wine that are great. You know, six packs of beers of different varieties. And that the are, flowers, too. The flowers are great. A little thing for your, just for your table, you know. Spice it up. You're yeah. going to have people over. You have a little flower arrangement on your mm-hmm. table. Uh, good stuff. All right. Well, thanks to Trader Joe's. Keely, which so you're the boss, Keely. Which which direction we want to go? Like I, um, I don't even know. Uh, let's just jump in with um some. I'm gonna go questions about the game, kind of, and then go broader, okay? If we will. Uh, so first up, it's from Deplorable Dan, who says Ryan and Dan, good win over a four and seven Bruins squad. Congratu- congratulations to all players and coaches. With the euphoria, let's remember that this win over a very mediocre team. It was a win over a very mediocre team. You only need to look at recruiting to understand that young players do not want to come here to play. SC is 8-4 and four in his second place in the Pac-12 South, and depending on the source, is somewhere in the top 50 or 60, actually 70, in recruiting. This coaching staff is just not exciting, and recruits are not coming in. Recruiting is the lifeblood of any program, and unfortunately, our current staff is woefully lacking in this area. Let's not get too crazy here. We had a nice finish over a bunch of teams that we used to beat routinely. Thanks, Dan. Uh, exactly. I mean, yeah. what else? What else <laughs> needs to be said? Nope. Uh, no question. Uh, yeah. Hey, UCLA right. was four and seven. Great win. Like, yeah, they were also four and seven. You know. Yeah. Although you could say that's progress because they couldn't beat a two and eight UCLA yep. team last year. So you know, and they held the you know Kelly down to forty five yards instead of two eighty nine. So uh, you know that's uh, that's progress, I guess. Although, you know, DTR just took them apart. Although, as somebody once said, quarterback yards don't count. Isn't that right? Did I hear that somewhere? Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, so it was funny because Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I actually tweeted this out wrong. So he had he didn't have 93 yards rushing. I think he had 64 because of the sacks. But the he, had, net, yeah. he had 93 yards gained. Like, he had run from, from scrimmage 93 yards. It's like, wow. And when you talk about a guy that threw for 367, three touchdowns and also got almost a hundred yards from scrimmage when he was running. That's not good. But Ryan, they kept Joshua <laughs> Kelly to under a thousand yards on the season. Yeah. That's uh, Am I a little too sassy today. No, that, I mean, that seems I, almost mean spirited, doesn't it? I mean, good Lord. But that I was mean, something in the locker. Do you have an issue with that, Dan, when they're like praising that in the locker room, Joshua Kelly, 45 yards. It's like, okay, yeah, I know he torched you last year for almost 300, but 
you gave up a lot on defense. I'm just not patting myself on the back for stopping the running back when you let the quarterback go absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think if you give up 543 yards to that UCLA team, you can't uh, credit almost anything on defense. I mean, really. I mean, they're just, you know, other than Talano Hafanga, uh, you might want to say something good about him. But, but other dead. than that. Dan's busy yeah. over there. I got I'm all sorry. kinds I've of got phones. Two ringing. phones going. Yeah. Uh, you can't. Uh, I mean, Talanoa, obviously, 18 tackles the most since Troy Polamalu in 2001. Uh, uh, that's just fabulous. I mean, Talanoa looks like he's out there on his own, coaching himself, just saying, "Okay, I know where they're going, uh, and I'll go get them." And he does, he, you know, he's a guy that doesn't look like he needs to practice tackling. He just tackles. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, and Isaiah Palomaro with 12, I mean, you had 30 tackles from the safeties. But, but that's a little scary because then you think your safeties are essentially your two deepest guys, yet I like to have a few more tackles from the other nine guys between the, the other team, between UCLA and the safeties. You got nine guys. Uh, I don't think those nine guys had maybe they had about the same number of tackles as your two safeties. That's probably not as good as you'd like to have it. No. Uh, I mean, they, there are some really good players who just. I mean, and 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 John Houston had his had his you know he had a bunch of tackles. So you take those three guys out, and, and we're just you know formation wise. And, and, you know, just, I mean, they got lined up better than they did last year. But they just, again, you know, a lot of missed tackles and a lot of guys that weren't exactly in the right place on the, especially with the quarterback, uh, you know, keeping the ball. They just weren't in the right place. And um, that's got to get better. They just, there's there no excuse for USC to give up 543 yards to UCLA. No excuse at all. Yeah. None. Zero. Um, we have, I, we have a voicemail. Maybe you want to play Kurt? Or you want to, uh, you have Sorry, I was just going to add that John okay. Houston actually had, uh, with the game, 100 tackles on the year. He's only the third Trojan in this decade to do that. That's so, pretty good. I yeah. know. Sorry, just was wanted it? to add a no, little no. fun fact. Uh, he mentioned recruiting. Uh, we have like a, a our, our optimist Curtis uh, with a voicemail. Do you want me to play that or you want to do a couple more questions? Or? Well, Steve, class of 97, essentially had the same thing. He said, first off, I want to congratulate the team on beating UCLA. That being said, Clay Helton's quote-unquote strong finish involved wins over bottom feeders in the Pac-12. The overall record of the five teams USC beat in the second half of the season is 25-30, and 15-25 and 25 in the conference. These are teams that USC should beat. This is not evidence of great coaching worthy of being retained. Is it really possible that Clay Helton will snake charm a second usc president and a third ad why do the people in power struggle to see that everyone else what everyone else can see in plain sight i can't bear the thought of another season of helton coach football thanks and fight on steve uh, you know i mean it's hard to hard to disagree with any no. of that uh steve, you're mean, not alone just... you're not you're not alone there's a lot of people that agree with steve yes yes so now we can go to our optimist curtis <laughs> Um, well this, okay. Yeah. This, you know, we love Curtis. Um, now I'm not going to say he's, you know, maybe I, had a few beers before he called in oh, on this one. Okay. No, I'm not, it doesn't sound that way, but the, <laughs> you totally the, just suggested it. But the take, no, it's more, not because he's slurring his words. It's more because the take is like, yeah, Curtis might have a little, uh, oh, okay. here we go. Hi, Ryan Curtis from Moreno Valley. You know, as well as I do, and you've talked about it before. 
if they announce that Clay Helton is going to be the coach until the end of his contract, which is I don't know how many years, or they're, they're going with Clay Helton, he has to make changes at defensive coordinator and special teams, of course. But that's a, a cheap way out as far as money. And recruiting is what I'm really talking about. If they know Clay Helton is going to be there, we'll get the best recruits in the nation. This is a high-scoring offense with superior talent. If you go, man, that is you. You're going to lose. You got to go in zone, and now we're picking apart the zones and throwing screens and doing very successful things. This is going to be a good team next year, whoever the coach is. But if we can't get Urban Meyer, why hire anybody else? Let the kids know that Clay is going to be there if Urban Meyer doesn't want the job, and then they'll come to USC. Our recruiting will change immediately. Um, real quick, Dan, before you tear into this. Okay, uh-huh. Curtis, USC is 76th in recruiting in the country. It is late November. Signing day is like three and a half weeks away. It is the worst recruiting class we have ever seen. So you're saying if Clay Helton comes back, it's going to get better. The reason it's here in this state is because Clay Helton is here. I'm going to read you a few names of people programs that have currently better recruiting classes than USC. We'll start with Temple, Bowling Green, Northern Illinois, Miami of Ohio, Appalachian State, something called Louisiana, Western Michigan, North Texas, Memphis, Louisiana Tech, USF, UCF, Tulane, East Carolina. I don't know which, there's probably other Carolinas too. Uh, You know, Wake Forest, the super powerhouse, uh, NC State's up there. Now, you know, everybody, Iowa State, Pittsburgh, Texas Tech, doesn't matter. Minnesota, Northwestern, Louisville, Purdue. I mean, all of these programs have better ranked recruiting classes than USC. That is the problem. Not that the solution is not to keep going. The solution is to change coaches. That's the solution. Yeah, I mean, I think just this is a small recruiting class. It's a small senior class. Okay. What that means, I think, is you have to get the top players at that point. You're not going to have the numbers. So USC's class is going to be dropped down a little bit just because they don't have the numbers and it's kind of built on total uh, star power and star numbers and all that. So that's the year you can't go 0 for 24, the top 24 recruits in California. You have to be able to pick those guys off uh, more so than ever before and if you want to say well you know clay lynn gave clay you know the contract extension that was supposed to protect clay for recruiting why why is everybody assuming clay's not going to be back next year because they went five and seven last year and they went three and three with two losses in the first six to teams they shouldn't have lost to so at that point Basically, everybody said it's over. So there was no coming back, uh, you know, for that. There just wasn't. And uh, that's on Clay. You, if you go five and seven, you can't lose to the two teams in the first six that you should beat. You can't. You just can't. And so, you know, you're writing your own obituary at that point, I think. Uh, and they just haven't seemed to be able to 
figure out a way to get in on any of these kids because, you know, do these kids think you're going to be here? I mean, do these kids want to come here for somebody uh, and be playing for somebody else? Uh, now, if you could advertise it's going to be somebody else, now that's the bind they're in right now. You know, they've, they've got to wait on the Utah game, so – the season isn't technically over yet uh, because they could be in the you know Pac-12 championship. This is uh, it's a kind of a difficult spot to be in, but uh, but I think the recruiting makes the point that uh, that they've you know they've made their bed and they've got to lie on it now, and it's really 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 bad. They got very fortunate, uh, and some of it's good work and some of it's fortune that last year's recruiting class turned out to be so much better then it's ranking and it's going to get better when, you know, Brew McCoy, uh, you know, joins the fold. Uh, nobody thought Keaton Slovis was going to be the player he was, you know, he's been, nobody thought Drake London. So, uh, you know, Keaton, Chris, you know, Keenan Kristen gets, uh, gets a chance. Uh, you've got obviously Drake, you know, Jackson, everybody knows, uh, he was the one guy that was, you know, was ranked up there, but, uh, this is a, this is a program that you might be able to afford a little more of a bad recruiting class this year than uh, based on last year's class just being a lot better than it was ranked. But I guess that's not a way to proceed. You can't just say, well, we got we got lucky with last year's class, so we can blow off this class. I don't think you can't do that and be nationally competitive. Can you win the Pac-12 South with competent coaching with the players they got? Absolutely, without a doubt. Shouldn't even be close. But you can't win a national championship. You can't get into the playoffs uh, if you have just a complete, you know, blank class. You just can't. And so, uh, you know, that's that's where they are. They're, and, and, and for Curtis to say they're going to be good next year, they ought to be good next year. They really, really ought to be good. Uh, again, if you coach them up, if you practice right. Uh, but uh, but what about the year after, the year after, the year after? I mean, you can't have a program that, you know, well, you know, next week or next year, no, it's just got to be the program, and it's got to be USC, and it's got to be one of the five best jobs, which means it ought to have one of the five best coaches, which means it ought to be one of the five best programs in the country year after year after year. And right now, for example, I think USC's probably been underranked in terms of uh, AP and coaches' polls, but whoever thought you would see a time when USC, just the mention of USC would be a negative instead of a positive. You know, it used to be if you were USC, you got a positive hit on your brand. Now saying it's USC is kind of a negative hit. That's not what you want. That's not what a program needs. Yeah. A classic Ryan rant to start that off. Sorry, I needed the rant. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love Curtis, but holy crap. What, to, to say how recruiting is going to skyrocket if Clay Helton comes – like. That, that, it couldn't be any more false than that. Like that's worse than anything Pat Hayden ever said. I'm just gonna <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, he said some really bad things. Yeah, nothing's ever gonna nothing's gonna change this year. This year is baked in. You know, if you get Urban Meyer, you might flip a couple of kids, but uh, this this year is pretty well. It is what it is. You gotta you know come out and, and you just gotta tear it up next year to the point where the 2021 class is just spectacular i mean that's the only kind of way to to make up for the uh the 2020 class yeah mm -hmm. 
We have an email from Jeff who says, Hi, Ryan, Dan, Keeley, and the rest of the team. I've been listening and reading your articles for years, and I want to thank you all for the information and opinions you give us about our football team. Regarding the game and the win, just like Coach says, a win is a win, and we can see that the kids played hard. I can't ha- I can't understand how all the talent on defense allows so many points, but I'm inclined to inclined to opine that if the defensive coordinator does not recruit, it is going to be very tough to get the players to perform. Now about Coach Helton, I respect him and like him, but it's his time to go. And my questions are regarding a coaching search. Do you believe they have a plan in place for B, C, D, or E, just in case they don't get a yes from Urban? I have a question regarding the conference. Wouldn't this be a perfect year to still have the team with the best record host the conference championship? I'm looking out for Utah and its and its chance to at least sneak into the playoff. Thank you, Jeff from Los Alamitos, now living in Vegas. Yeah, I don't know that if you, if you still have a coach in place, I don't know that you can have a plan B, C, D, and whatever. Uh, I mean, they tried that a little bit in the summer when they started looking for an athletic director uh, informally below the radar uh, while they still had an athletic director in place. And that got them nowhere. That got them basically moved them backwards. Uh, So I would think they're not going to try to do that with a coach. And I, I, you know, I mean, they're in a position we all know, you know, the urban Meyer uh, possibility but we don't know what Urban is absolutely thinking. We know he hasn't said no, uh, and, he, and he's not been uh, – he has no ability to not tell you what he's thinking. So so that – you would take that as a positive. But uh, he can't be looking like he's trying to get a job that some guy, somebody already has. And they can't be looking like they're trying to, you know, hire somebody when they're not ready to let the other guy go. I mean, uh, so – when you start talking about Plan B, C, and D, you know, I don't. I think you 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 gotta qualify the Urban Myers thing first. He's got to turn it down. You gotta you know force that issue, and I don't think you can do that while you still have Clay. Uh, informally, you probably have had to have made those had those conversations, but if you're Urban Meyer, maybe you don't follow him up that much until you know. There really is a, a job, and until you, you get some sense of what USC's commitment uh, to that job would be, uh, you know, I could see Urban coming in and not needing to be the highest paid coach in college football, uh, but with a, a sense that I need my coaches to be really well taken care of that on this staff, and, and, and things like that where USC would have to have to make it clear that, that that's, a, that's a possibility. But as far as having backups, I don't think that's the case. I mean, if your Mike Bone is uh, your current co- or the, was your current coach at UC, uh, Luke Fickle, is he the kind of guy? He's such an Ohio guy, an Ohio State guy, former interim coach of the Buckeyes, doing really well at, at Cincinnati. Is he the kind of guy that could transplant to the West Coast? I guess you could say, well, maybe that's a semi-backup. And that would be just totally guesswork. I have no idea uh, whether that that could be the case. But I don't think they're into any plan past Plan A, which I'm not even sure they're they're into yet because they still they're still a coach. Yeah. We have an email from Judy in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, Judy. USC class of '84. 
She says, as the Parasol pregame show ended, uh, she was listening to the UCLA one, the next podcast in my queue played automatically. I was listening to this quote-unquote new podcast for a good seven to eight minutes about discipline issues, special teams frustrations, lack of tackling, low expectations, etc. It was only after that you mentioned Colorado that I looked down and realized I was listening to a podcast from last year. Same issues, same frustrations, same disappointments, even with all the stellar players who are largely largely the same. I'm really hoping for a fresh start very soon. It will be hard to watch Groundhog Day for a third year. Thanks for all you do for the Trojan family, especially those of us who live in enemy territory. Fight on, Judy. Yeah, Judy, Groundhog Day is a good, that's a good Groundhog yeah. year. Uh, <laughs> it's a good way to describe it. Uh, the only difference is, we just got to see uh, 20 minutes of practice instead of True. going through the whole thing. And I don't know that <laughs> – I know they – we were told uh, kind of you know, off the record that, that we created a little too much negativity about the program last year. So uh, I'm not sure that that was the, uh, the way to yeah. handle that. Probably if they didn't create negativity, we wouldn't report that you know, negativity. And, uh, it's really in there, you know, we're the bystanders, you know, I mean, we're not, you know, there's a big traffic accident. It's like, you know, the bystanders on the court, on the curb caused the act. No, we're just standing there. We're watching it. Um, you know, we're not causing it, but, uh, I do think that's one of the factors in, uh, certainly in, in the defense. I just don't know how you can practice defense if the only time you even come close to tackling is in Saturday's games and then you you don't do it for the next week uh, it's just it's too hard I, I the analogy I use is I have a niece uh, who was the NCAA uh, diving champion in uh, platform and and, uh, and the and the low board and I think she won six NCAA championships at the University of Cincinnati and when you hit the water from the platform from 33 feet up, you hit it hard. It's like almost hitting uh, a solid surface. And there's no way you can avoid that. And it's painful. But you can't become a great platform diver unless you take the pain. You have to be able to handle that. You have to figure out how to do it, how much to do. Uh, but you can't go to the Olympics. You can't do all those things. Unless you're willing to take some pain, figure out but you have to do it the way they're going to do it. I mean, imagine somebody showing up at the Olympics and said, well, I haven't practiced from this board, uh, the platform because it really hurts when you hit that water. But I'm going to give it a good try here today. Can't do it that way. You've yeah. got to practice it the way it happens in your sport. And USC hasn't exactly wanted to do that. I think it hurts. I think it hurts the run blocking. I think it hurts the timing in the run game. And it absolutely hurts the defense basically everywhere that Talanoa Hafanga isn't. It hurts them. Yeah. yeah. She did go to the Olympics, by the way. If you ever see Dan in person, ask him about his stories. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. the, the thing that I don't understand is it, it was a five and seven season. They were the negativity. We just reported about it. That's, but I won't rehash old things. It just doesn't make sense to me. No. Um, we have an email from our buddy Stephen Poway who says, Dear Ryan, Dan, and Keeley, did Michael Pittman and Keenan Slovis just become the next quote unquote Sam Darnold, saving Clay's job in the process? 
Seriously, is there any way a new AD could fire a head coach who has his team playing this well at the end of the season, including humiliating their crosstown rivals, setting all kinds of offensive records in the process? If I'm Clay, I tell Mike Bone in our quote-unquote one-on-one meeting that I will make even more coaching adjustments this time, possibly firing Pendergast and Baxter and replacing them with with Graham Harrell equivalents. There's no way Clay gets the boot if he says that. Um, And then he put in parentheses, this is not the way I thought this would turn out. Steve and Poway. Steve. Uh, see, here's what, if I'm Mike Bone, I would say, hey, that's a good idea. You should have done it last year, yeah. Clay, and then we wouldn't be having this discussion. You'd be out practicing uh, and, and getting ready for the Pac-12 championship game in your bye week. Uh, that's what we'd be doing. So, no, uh, you had your chance to do that, and you didn't, and it didn't work out, and I don't think – I don't – UCLA scored 35 points on USC and got 543 yards of offense. I'm not sure you exactly humiliated US or UCLA. I mean, they've had – you know, they've got four wins. They're not going to a bowl. They're, they're pretty much humiliated uh, as it is. Read their, uh, read their boards and see if you don't think, you know, they're not uh, – you know, they didn't have any expectations of being able to match up with USC – uh, and it, it's wonderful for, you know, Keaton Slovis and Michael Pittman and all the wide receivers and Talanoa. Uh, but uh, but that's not that was what had to happen all year. You had to, you know, put up points on Brigham Young. You had to put up points. They scored 14 points against Washington, a five-loss team. That's unacceptable. So you don't think it matters that they're finishing strong. I, I mean, and I don't know that finishing strong, I mean, they didn't have to win either the Arizona State or the Colorado games. You know, they had guys make plays, but those games were, you know, they were down to the wire in ways in which you really didn't want them to be down to the wire and which they shouldn't have been down to the wire. So, uh, so I don't think the finish makes any difference except for the kids. And I'm glad, you know, they're going to get to, you know, feel good about, uh, especially on offense, that they played their way through it. And it wasn't like last year. But other than that, I don't think it changes anything. I really don't. Now, I tried arguing this on Tunnel Vision, and I think some people thought I was actually arguing this, which I wasn't, but whatever. Uh, to play devil's advocate here, can't you see, to Steve's point, there being an argument made by someone, I don't know who, Clay Helton in yeah. that camp, can't you see? But this is the most USC thing to happen. Can't you see it happen where somehow they've argued, hey, we lost JT Daniels. Look what we did with our backup quarterback who was a true freshman. Yes, I know that Alabama has won a championship with true freshmen. I get it. But they can argue that. Look at all the injuries. Look at what we did. We quote unquote finished wrong. Can't you see an argument where that's made? And like Steve says, he goes, hey, and I'll do this, this, and that. Can't you see that happening and that being the safe option? I'm not I'm not arguing it. Keely, why do you think that's the safe option, though? But because Tweet at Keeley is my name if you disagree no, with her. No, no, I'm not saying this. I'm just saying this could be a very USC thing that we could hear in a press release of, look what they've done with these adjustments, right. so many injuries, so, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the Clay thing about that. I know. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I mean, brace I know yourselves I'll, I'll because this Dan, could happen. Yeah. So real quick for Dan. Remember when uh, you would see like, uh, I, for, I forget what year it was, but like uh quarterback would come in. Um, this might have been it could have been Jack Sears or it might have been like Max Wittick or something like he comes in in the in a game because somebody like Cody Kessler got hurt and he looked really good but then after a week of coaching he got worse you know like that was going on 
sort of like Mike Bone came in, like not knowing the fight song, not knowing enough about USC. He listened and learned. Did he listen and learn too much? And now he's like, oh, yeah, why don't we just keep Clay Hunt? Like maybe coming in, he would be guns blazing like, yeah, we're going to make a bunch of changes. But then it's like the, you know, the, the environment around him sort of like warped his brain to be more USC think like, no, we can do it our own way. Why make changes? Where the outside pressures really kind of seep in. Yeah. So the environment he becomes a product of this environment that's been toxic for the last decade. Yeah, I, I would think you have to know what did in. Uh, the previous two athletic directors, because that's how the thinking would have gone uh, with both of them. Uh, and yet, you know, look, where are they now? I mean, I'm not sure either one of them could ever show up at an athletic event anymore at USC. And these were two great, uh, you know, football heroes. So I would think Mike Bone, you know, what's that, 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 uh, old adage that uh, those who, you know, forget history are condemned to, you know, repeat the mistakes of the past. And I think, you know, it's not Mike Bone's history, but hopefully he's studying up on it and figuring out what could they have done? What went wrong here? Why did they do that? Why did they have to do this? Why did they have to fire a couple of coaches in mid-season? Why, why? And so much of it, came down to making the right decision or the wrong decision about their head coaching hires and moving on. And he knows the most important thing an athletic director can do is make the right hire for football coach, you know, and that's the, the thing that you hang around, uh, you know, the necks of of both Pat and, and Lynn, Uh, you know, had they made the right hires or made the right fires when they really needed to, um, things would have been different. So, I would be shocked if he isn't aware of that, that, I mean, his, the team he was the athletic director for at Cincinnati, he would have expected to beat all the teams that uh, USC just beat. So, I mean, they, they did beat UCLA already. They beat them at UCLA. Uh, So I don't know that he's like, Ooh, wow. I mean, he's seen both of his teams beat UCLA this year. And one of them beat him at the Rose Bowl. One of them got him at home. I don't think he's all that impressed by he, – he, you know, I just don't think he is. I, I'd be shocked if he was. All right. Well, there's – I mean, it's definitely a minority opinion, but there's people that have the opinion. Here's an, another one. Oh. Um, yeah, we'll let, play this one for you guys. Hi. I'll keep this short. Uh, certainly got my money's worth Saturday and feel sorry for those that have abandoned the program and didn't buy a ticket because they missed one whale of a game. Two things. I think the Hilton Circus is finally over. He certainly deserves another year, and he has improved every year that he's been in the program. Sometimes it's been talent that he's used, but I think he has gotten better and better. He made the right decision last year to completely overhaul his offense, and it has certainly paid off. Now he needs to take to, to take a pass, oh, excuse me, a page from the Ed Odron book, and find the very best defensive coordinator in the country, and hire him. And if it takes two and a half million dollars, so be it. It's a lot cheaper than twenty million, but they might have to pay if they got rid of him. Secondly, will J.T. Daniels be happy next year as a backup quarterback? Or will he go into the transfer panel uh, pro, uh, program? 
would appreciate your comments. Can oh, I just say? Marino yeah. Valley. Oh, what was Marino. that, Paul? I think Paul and Marino Valley. Can I just say, I wish that those listening could see your faces to these, oh, your reactions to these voicemails. It's just great. God, Paul, first of all, Paul, we can't answer your second question when you have such a ludicrous statement in your first, whatever that was. Um, what's up with the Marino Valley? Like, they, I, there's something that, like, is there, like, did a, a, a plant explode and there's, like, cannabis, like, in the air Ryan. or something? Like, what? Did, getting, define how USC got better in 2018 from winning the Pac 12 championship to five and seven. In what world did he get better from 2017 to 2018? I don't, there was, no, that, that, that's just wrong. Like that's that's absolutely false. I I'm I'm going to do, walk around the office right now. Dan, you just take this. I I can't even listen to that anymore. Yeah, and, and and getting better, it's not getting enough better. Five and seven gives you a whole range of, of places that you can get a lot better. And they don't, you know, they got better on offense. And they, if you've got the best, and you have to give them credit. They got the best wide receiving core, I think now. Uh, in the nation and that they deserve credit for. I mean, we can't, you know, ha- you know, hammer them uh, for recruiting to put that, that group on the field and, uh, and with Keaton, but, uh, but to say that they need to do, if you know, Paul knows what they need to do for next year, they needed to do that for this year. You needed to do all the things that you needed to do. You can't do it piecemeal. You can't do it when your season ticket base is eroding uh, by a total of 20,000 now since the high point. Uh, when, you know, you've got you know, really small crowds last year for Notre Dame, really small crowd this year for UCLA. Uh, and that's just sort of accepted now. It's like – and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm usually not one that wants to you know say well here's the sixty four thousand was the announced attendance but it couldn't have been more than fifty four thousand that would be my tech this you know sometimes I don't think it's that far off uh, but I thought you know people bought those tickets they just didn't show up but uh, I, I just don't think you can run the program that way uh, I think you know you kind of get to a point where to be nationally uh, competitive, nationally relevant is what USC football is supposed to be. They haven't changed the goals. They keep saying that's the goal. Well, that's not the case. If you're not in a good position to win the Pac-12 South every year, including this year when you beat all the Pac-12 South opponents, then you're not getting better. The program's not getting better. It's not getting better enough. And, you know, they have such an opportunity this year to get better. I mean, as it turned out, the schedule wasn't as difficult as everybody thought it was. And maybe the best team on the schedule, Utah, they somehow beat. So, and beat them early in the first game. And Utah didn't, you know, curl up in a ball. They went on and beat everybody else. Whereas USC, um, you know, lost a couple of games they never should have lost and then they lost Oregon the Oregon game in a fashion that's you know indescribably bad you don't come back I don't think from that Oregon loss it's nice that they they played out the schedule and they won the next three games but uh uh no they're they're not doing well enough uh they're not getting better enough and you know the fact that they improved on offense by hiring Graham Harrell makes the point 
of how bad a job they did in every other area uh, that they should have. And apparently had, you know, they could have done that. They just didn't. They chose not to. And that's that's on Clay. He chose not to to make the changes where he could have made those changes. And, uh, you know, and they're eight and four and probably not going to win the Pac-12 South and not be in the championship game. And that's bad. That's not a good result for this year. No. I, I just want to reread. This is what Swan said. We acknowledge and understand our deficiencies in areas that include culture, discipline, schemes, personnel, and staff. We agree that changes need to be made, and they will. We will improve and get better in all areas. Coach Hilton has a plan in place to get USC back to the top. Just a reminder, that was promised. Yeah. Not the yeah, all, all areas is the key word there. Mm-hmm. All areas. And, and, you know, that just so obviously didn't happen did not get better in all areas uh got a lot better on offense how could they not i mean uh, last year the gumbo was just made no sense at all and uh and yet give jt daniels credit i know people are comparing his freshman year with uh with keaton's and that that it even compares at all is kind of a miracle usc's been lucky to have back-to-back freshman quarterbacks uh that have you know performed as well as they have i mean that's almost you know that's going against the odds uh but uh they they did not get you know they they just didn't improve uh across the board all areas that's a great comment and they did not get better in all areas and if you're gonna go out on a limb and reference your rival and how they did things if you're gonna go that far at least stick to that because why even mention what they did if you're not gonna do it yeah be USC if that's the case yeah. then. You know? and, it, and it's too late to do it. You can't do it now. Like you've, you had your chance to make changes last year and you didn't do it. You know, you moved some guys around. You didn't make changes in two of the three coordinators. You probably wouldn't have made a change on strength and conditioning if uh, Ivan Lewis didn't leave on his own accord. So to me, that was just Clay not you know, realizing he needed to make moves, but not going full in. Like you weren't, it's like, yeah, I really got to jump at the deep end, but well, I'm going to wade in and, I'm going to take a picture so it makes it look like I'm in the deep end, but I'm really in the, in the middle somewhere. I'm still standing on my toes, you know, but there, so it was sort of like the illusion of making a bunch of changes and it wasn't really there. And which I have no idea why you just don't go in full blade, you know, full blown. Let's, let's blow it up. Let's do it. And there was still that reluctance there. That was still like, we still got to hang on to these, you know, my friends or whatever. I, and I, I don't get it. Like your job was on the line. Did, That's why it's too late. Did he have the financial financial support to do that fully? Do we? I mean, if not, you got to demand it. And if you can't demand it, then you're not the right guy. Like, you know, if you if you know you can make your team win and you don't have the financial support, like, why are you even there? You're, you're there because you're a yes man and you're someone that's easy to get along with. You need someone in there that has the power that they know, hey, we can win if we have this. We need this much more money. Okay, boom. You know, like a strong coach doesn't use that as an excuse. That's not a hurdle for a strong coach. Just wanted to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I think, you know, they probably got uh, Aaron at a, at a fairly bargain price as he wanted to get back into college coaching. I'm not sure they had to outbid anybody. Uh, you know, for they're they're not paying what Ohio State's paying, or Clemson is paying, or LSU is paying, uh, and and you know they I think they put out good money for uh, Graham. I think they had to convince him, as they knew they 
after the Cliff Kingsbury situation, they had to spend the money and they had to commit to the years, uh, I think, to get Graham. And that's what you have to do. And you have to be able to make that case. I will guarantee you the next coach coming in here, and if it's Urban Meyer, that has already been settled or he isn't coming. I mean, that's how you have to do that. Uh, of course, nobody wants to put out money, but uh, you have to make the case that you're going to make money. You're, you know, you're going to have 10,000 more people if you don't, you know, per game, if you don't drop the uh, a couple of early games because you're, you know, you're not completely prepared. Uh, so that's what that's what a coach at USC has to do. That's what. Why, if you're one of the top five jobs in the country, five programs in the country, historically, you have to have a coach that matches the program. If you don't, it doesn't work. Yeah. So to preface these next two questions, um, we saw that Clay Clay Helton had given two – he gave out multiple game balls. And so he gave out one game ball to Mike Bone and he gave one out to uh, Carol Folt, who all they both were in the locker room following the game. And I think his reasoning was because it was their first rivalry win against UCLA, et cetera. So that being said, let's get into our first question from Dan, class of 1962. He says, hi, Dan, Ryan, and Keeley. There are plenty of reasons to fire Clay Helton, but one of the most egregious was him giving the new AD the game ball after the UCLA game. That was pure politics from a nice guy, Clay Helton, who constantly plays up the nice guy image at the expense of a critique of his actual coaching. By giving Bone the game ball, all he was doing was making Bone's job harder politically and image-wise. If I were Bone, I would fire him on the spot for doing that and making Bone's decision that much harder. Helton is always talking about the game being about the student-athletes, but he gives the game ball to Bone for his self-serving reason and not Keaton Slovis, who just set a USC passing record. I believe he did give it to Slovis, too. Not sure, but... Multiple game balls. Anyway, yeah. Bone better have the intelligence and guts to see through that ball giving stunt by Helton. Talk about integrity. That was a lack of integrity on Helton's part. Dan, Ryan, and Keeley, what do you think of that stunt? Fight on, Dan, class of 1962. Uh, I don't think Clay – I know it's easy to put bad motives on on Clay, but I just think that's Clay being Clay. I really do. I, I just – you know, I mean, for example, and I've told, I don't know if I've told everybody this story, but we were getting ready to uh, go set up instant analysis uh, after Saturday's game down at the end of the tunnel. And here comes Clay all, all by himself. The coaches tend to go out the other direction and I, they've got something going out uh, the other end of the stadium. So, and so we're just, I'm just kind of standing there and I'm not sure if I was talking to Chris Trevino or not, but Clay goes by and Clay just stops and says, Hey Dan, if I don't see you before Thanksgiving, have a, you know, have a wonderful Thanksgiving for you and your family. And then he moves on. Now Clay probably knows some of the things we've written or said, but that's just who he is. I mean, I, I would attribute no bad motives to that. No, you know, I'm trying to get you to like me and write something good about me. That's just who Clay is. So, you know, it probably hurt him more than helped him, giving them the game balls. I just think that's how he does what he does. And I I would not make that as negative a a thing as some people do. I just – I don't think it was calculated. I just think that's who he is. And that was their first UCLA game, and he was really happy and – he gave him a game ball. I, I I don't I don't make it real negative. 
Yeah. I have my fair share of Clay Hilton being nice when no one's looking and for no real reason, too. Yeah. And, and to be fair, it wasn't like Clay Hilton did this in the post-game press conference. It's one thing if he brought out game balls with the, all the media. like, oh, I'm going to give this to Bone. He did this in the locker room, and he didn't think anyone was filming it. So, you know, I I think it's different motives when when – you think yeah. people are watching and when maybe you don't. But I think he's good at being a politician and he's definitely, you know, in his press conferences, he's saying the things in the post-game uh, interview with Molly McGrath. Like, I think he's saying things to try to convince people. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of um, decided voters in this and it's kind of a landslide, but there's some undecided voters. And there's some people that are like, oh yeah, I could see that. Like, oh, and Molly McGrath says, you know, Clay Hilton deserves a chance. If the person's like, oh yeah, that makes sense, you know. Maybe they don't have a really strong opinion. So I think he's trying to convince some of those people that, yeah, and uh, maybe you can convince Mike Bone, but um, it's, you know, you're an uphill battle. Like you've, you, you're like winning Rhode Island and that's about it in, in the electoral college. So it's, uh, it's like, we're going to try to get Connecticut too. It's like, that's good, but you know. I will say though, it's a little cringy when he says things like fight on to victory and yeah. finishing strong. It's just like, not you're just copying exactly re, what your boss said rephrase yeah. it you know if we're all in an office environment and like dan's our boss keely and like and you're saying those kind of things i'm like what the hell are you you're just totally kissing up to him so i get when people are saying a that, little you know? cringy a little yeah. cringy um let's I, well, I don't know that he thinks about it i just think that's he just wants to make everybody you know be on the same team and everybody be happy and all. I don't know that he calculates it that much. I just think he does it. It's just who he is. And it probably makes it harder to be a, a football coach in a way because you can't avoid confrontation and you can't avoid, you know, going against people and you can't avoid, you can't make everybody the starter. You can't, it, it's, it's harder for, for clay. He sort of likes to, you know, accommodate everybody and bring everybody on. And that isn't always the way, you know, you got to sometimes want to tear somebody's throat out. And that's just not, that's not who Clay is. Yeah. So we have a related text from Sir Eric of Troy. He says, is it possible that Bones hire, which came out of the blue, happened because no other interviewed candidate was willing to comply with the presidential order to keep Clay Helton? Is it possible that the reason Clay made what we quote unquote thought was the cheesiest, most Bush League brown nosing move ever by giving Bone and Fult the game balls was not brown nosing at all, but rather a thank you for what he has already been told about keeping his job by beating UCLA? Is it possible that Mike Bone hugging Clay on the field means he's not going anywhere? I know if I was considering firing someone on Monday, I would not be on the field Hugging, hugging the the Saturday before, I'd keep a poker face. With that said, Clay may be holding a ro- royal flush in his hand, and he, Fult, and Bone know it. We may be the only suckers foolish enough to call him. This scares the crap out of me. I hope I'm wrong. So, in the words of Dan Weber, I'm quote unquote just asking, or like Arsenio Hall used to say, things that make you go, hmm. What do you guys think? Well, I will say this: Have you seen the photo of Carol Fult? And Lynn Swan, big smiles on their face, giving the fight on song right together uh, at the Fresno State game. Everybody was at the president's box and everybody was happy as can be. And that was just wonderful. You know what happened Monday, two days later, Monday morning? Clay got called in and said, here's your resignation letter, Clay. Sign it. Uh, If you don't... I don't, I don't, 
I'm trying to think. We we did publish that photo. Somebody put it uh, put it, but there they were, two days before, as you say, two days before, happy as can be, and on that Monday, uh, Clay didn't or Lynn did not make it till noon. So, um, and I think Bone, what he was saying uh, on the field, and that was, we're not going to talk about the future. This is about today. This is about right now. Enjoy right now. Let's keep it in the moment. I think Bone has really stayed away, and as obviously as President Folt has stayed away from any kind of uh, comments that would indicate some sort of commitment. And you know, you can say, "Oh, that's because they want to keep it secret." Because I don't, I don't think they can get away with that, and I think they know they can't get away with that. But, uh, but that's not how it works at this level. You know, I, I will guarantee you, Lynn did not, as he's in the, you know, at the Fresno State game in the new big uh, suite that they have for the president that holds like a hundred and some people. Uh, I don't think he thought what was going to happen Monday was going to happen. So I, I would not overanalyze that kind of post game on the field celebration uh, into anything more than just that. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, I want to tell you guys about SeatGeek first. I know USC doesn't have any regular season home games left, but still that outside shot at going to the Pac-12 championship game. And of course, USC's bowl game. But SeatGeek helps you with tickets for anything. You know, if you want to buy tickets, sometimes those websites, they make it really hard to get to the event you want to go to. They get really big. They don't seem to care about you guys. They don't provide good customer service. So SeatGeek is a site that actually cares about the customers. They have tickets for millions of live events with a price match guarantee. So they prove there's a better way to buy tickets online. They have the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Sports, music, comedy, and more, of course, USC, anything coming up. The industry for tickets can stagnate, but SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd, and they built the fastest way to find tickets. So now you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Uh, they have a better process. They'll pull together millions of tickets from all over the web, and they rate them all from 1 to 10 and display them on an interactive map of the venue you're going to see, like if you're going to be at the Coliseum or the Rose Bowl, wherever you're going. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots mean they're overpriced. So, And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. So right now, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. All you got to do, use the promo code USC, download the SeatGeek app, put it in there, and you'll get $10 off your first, pur first purchase. Promo code USC for $10 off your first purchase. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, finish up all your questions. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Keely, what we got next? We have two questions with the same theme. First off, from Elihu. I believe that's how you say it. He says, good evening. First of all, you guys do a great job uncovering the ins and outs of USC football, giving your honest opinion on the show about the USC football program. My question is, if USC is 6-0 in the South Division, why are they not in first place and playing in the Pac-12 championship? I know that they lost to Washington and Oregon, which play in the Pac-12 North, but USC went undefeated in their division. I'm a USC fan from SEC State here in Mississippi. Once again, thanks for all that you guys do and continue your success. Fight on and God bless Elihu. And then from Otis, he says, how messed up is our conference where you can win all the South games and still not win the South? Well, you have to, you know, when you've got this, and I guess most conferences now, you 
you don't have enough in one division to give you a full conference schedule. And you just end up playing who you, you know, you play like in the uh, SEC, LSU's uh, crossover team, one of the crossover teams they get from the uh, Eastern division is Florida. And LSU says, Hey, we got to play Florida every year. Somebody else has to play, you know, gets to play Kentucky or Vanderbilt or whatever. And so, yeah, if USC would have gotten, let's say, uh, from the north, if they'd have gotten Oregon State, for example, instead of Oregon, they'd be going because they beat uh, Utah. And Utah didn't have to play Oregon. So Utah is kind of in now because of the schedule. I don't think there's any question. USC shouldn't have lost to Washington. But uh, but Utah could have you know stubbled their toe, but they didn't have you know to play Oregon. It's not exactly fair, uh, but there's probably no other way to do it. You can't say uh, that you're playing the teams from the north, but those games don't count. That they're exhibition games. You know, some years it's going to hurt you. This year, you know, it hurt USC, no question about it. But uh, you know, you know that's how. I mean, uh, USC for two years will get Oregon State and Washington State, and then the other two years they'll get Oregon and Washington. That doesn't always seem fair, uh, but then there are years where Washington State's better than Washington, or at least more of a threat in some ways. Uh, probably no, not many years where Oregon State is more of a threat than Oregon. So the years you get Oregon and Washington, uh, that hurts. Uh, that makes life uh, a little more difficult, and then USC always gets uh, Cal and Stanford because of the deal that was made to keep the weekender. So uh, it's just not a, not a good deal. Uh, but USC's, you got to understand that and you got to make it work. And uh, USC had a chance clearly better than Washington should have been Washington's sixth loss of the year. And they couldn't make it happen. Scored 14 points, uh, turned the ball over, you know, three times or, Whatever, and uh, that, that's that's why they're not going. So we have a couple more questions, but I just want to have a peek behind the curtain <laughs> because Ryan has caused some frenzy. You kind of made us <laughs> – he knows it too. I'm just having some fun. No, people are on the edge of their seat, and you can't just subtweet. <laughs> he tweeted, if you want different results than what you're getting, you have to try different approaches, hashtag USC. And people think that you have some – With the the – Elmo, Elmo shrug. Elmo shrug emoji. And you did this whatever, during the gift. podcast. Yeah. I just had an idea. I was just like, because, you know, people were talking about those things like, oh, we should do this. I'm like, you know what? You got to do something different. You have to, you have to change. And I think there's been some good changes. You bring in Carol Fult. You bring in Mike Bone, who we thought was a good change. Seems like it's good. He's at least personable as an AD. Um, but then you keep hearing things about they might keep clay. They might keep clay. And I'm, it just, it's baffling to me. I don't think that's even possible. So it's just, I didn't tweet anything like, hey, I've got breaking news. I just tweeted, if you want to get you know different results, you got to do something different. And But people will read into anything, Ryan. That's, but if they want to yeah. read it, that's them. And then someone asked, like, have you heard any rumors? And I said, yes, because we've heard a zillion rumors. Yes, but people are going to think that <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility, Ryan. Right. If I said, hey, I've heard this about something happening. No, I didn't say that. I just tweeted something. That's... But people are on Twitter and are just not rational, especially when it comes to sports. Well, we, we had some irrational calls. I wanted to make an, uh, a mm, more okay. rational tweet. Mm, okay. it was, but I'm very happy with myself. I'm laughing. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm laughing. It's, I'm reading the third. Stirring the pot. I have to went on the peristyle to let everyone know. So if you're a member, you get the inside scoop. I give them the scoop of why I tweeted that. So I went to tweet that. I like posted like, hey, here's about my tweet. There was already a thread about my tweet, and it was like really long already. There were people like, oh my god, what did Ryan say? So I have to. That's what I'm so saying. The, so the paying customers, I let them know like, hey man, I'm just. Uh, just like doing a little trolling on the Twitter. It wasn't really a troll. Shotgun's shaking his head. You don't you don't like a shotgun? He's a No, this is at times like this, you gotta be careful. I think I've been very responsible. And that's just <laughs> Okay. Well, you do you. I Ryan. was very happy with myself. I don't did. What do you think? Am I being too much of a troll there? Or? Yeah, I don't <laughs> I think it's not a bad time to do some trolling and just to get people to realize it, you know, calm down. There are some things that aren't knowable and don't try to know something before there's something to know. And I, I, I do think there are an awful lot of people that just say, you have to tell us, you must not, you know, know. Uh, or I heard something from somebody on the inside at Heritage Hall and you say, that might be the last place you're going to find out <laughs> somebody who knows something uh, right now. So just sometimes you just have to let it play out. It doesn't happen to what happens. And, and you know, the, the athletic director probably uh, that selection ought to be a good sign. I mean, there were people just could not have been more sure that it was going to be the AD from Auburn uh, on Thursday night. And then, you know, Friday morning, it's Mike Bone from Cincinnati. His name hadn't been mentioned by anybody at any time. And then he's the new AD. So let that be your guide, I think, at this point. Don't try to create stories and news where they're not. it's not a story and it's not news. I just, I just got a text from like somebody you know, in our industry like, hey, what's going on? See? I told you. <laughs> yes. No. Oh, my it's goodness. So Such fun. a troublemaker. Uh, we have so a, fun. We have an email from Zach from San Diego who says, hey, guys, I've heard a lot about Clay Helton and staff trying to preserve Keenan Christian's redshirt, which doesn't make sense to me. Coming into the season on the hot seat and needing to win now, it's pretty obvious that Keenan could have been used in different situations that could have helped us win games. Instead, it just seems like Clay Helton wanted to save the redshirt for the future, future coaching staff instead of trying to put together a comeback season and save his job. Any thoughts on this? Thanks to everyone for all the content. Zach in San Diego. Yeah, I think it was a, a, a case of you had uh, veterans or you had holdovers, and it made it easier to not have to make a tough call. You had Vi uh, Malapi, you had uh, Stephen Carr. You wanted to get them carries. Uh, as it turned out, St- uh, Marquis Step, he said, "Uh oh, he's got to, he's got to get some too." And then with Keenan, Keenan, excuse me, you think, "Oh man, how would we do that?" And I think it was a, an opportunity to not have to make a tough decision on integrating him into the offense somehow uh, or figuring out a way to get him on the field. And so they, you know, kind of took the easy way out. I do think maybe, um, you know, his family might not have thought he was quite ready uh, for that as well. So they weren't pushing real hard to, to get him on the field, although I think he was. But um, uh, I think it was a combination of things. But you're right. If you're on the hot seat, you use every weapon you can. And, and you don't make decisions based on, oh, I don't know if we can you know, figure out how to get him on the field. I think he's, he has a skill set that's so unique that I don't think you, you 
needed to be, oh, can we get him on the – no, you just say, how do we get him on the field? What do we do to, uh, you know, make people have to account for him? And they just avoided that for six games until they lost all their running backs. And then they had no choice. But, um, yeah, I think that's the kind of personnel decisions that have been difficult for, for Clay and the staff to make. We have an email from our buddy Eric in Duck Country. He says, Ryan, Dan, and Keeley, it seems like the media gives Florida State and Arkansas a pass for firing their coaches after less than two years on the job. These coaches were barely given a chance, even though they were tasked with rebuilding two awful programs. Most people I've seen have cited recruiting as a primary factor and that the administration felt the program is moving in the wrong direction. Why then do so many people think it's outlandish to move away from Helton? Can't even the most casual observer see the severe drop in recruiting and the inability to compete with top-level programs? Many elite coaches have been fired for less. Is there a double standard? Thanks as always, Eric in Duck Country. Yeah. Eric, I think it's one of the things Clay is really well liked. I mean, if you went down the panel on ESPN's game day, they like Clay. I mean, he's nice to people. He he's he, you know, he doesn't hold grudges. He uh, opens up, I think, to those guys. Uh, I just think people like Clay. It's not it's not a big secret, and so uh, he he doesn't, and he's done enough good things. It's not like guys at some of those jobs that are getting fired after two years where they've done nothing good, zero. They don't have anything going for him. Uh, I don't. That's not the case with Clay. Obviously, he's got that Rose Bowl win. He's got that Pac-12 championship. Uh, you know, he's got the Sam Darnold uh, time and, and, and that kind of thing. So I, I, I think it's a different situation with clay. I think a lot of it are those kinds of people who, who do like clay. I mean, it, it's hard not to like clay. Uh, and he's got a lot of, a lot of, you know, people that will try to make the case for him, uh, who know him and, and you can understand why. I, I, so I don't think it's a double standard or, uh, at all. We have another email from Eric. He says, Ryan, Dan, and Keeley, I hear people say that Bone can't make a decision this big having only been on the job for two weeks. I would argue the opposite. I think that by being the new guy, he he can't afford to keep Helton. He can't go from the popular new guy to being hated by fans, donors, and former players. I can only imagine what Lindale White said to him at that dinner he attended. Even if the decision were, all, were ultimately made by the administration, it would fall all on him. What consequences do you think there would be for Bone if he decides to keep Helton? Thanks as always, Eric and Duck Country. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can say, oh, he can't make a decision. That If he can't make a decision, that's a decision. So, yeah. I mean, he can't avoid it. I mean, there, there's a decision to be made one way or the other. He's here as long as he's here. You know, you can't change the time. Uh, so he's going to make a decision. It's just uh, so, uh, so I don't think that he can make either decision he wants. Uh, and I think they're, you know, I think they're saying, they're telling people it's his decision and he's got the freedom, you know, to make it. One would think he probably, you know, will, will go in the direction of, um, not the, the direction that the previous two ADs went, I would guess. I just think that, that example, I think the financial end of it, uh, what's happened with, with tickets and donors, uh, and recruiting on top of that. And then the lack of improvement in, you know, three of the areas uh, of the football program, I think that's all, uh, you know, 
the way he's going to go. I, I think he'll put that all together. And I think, you know, he wasn't here last year, but last year was a chance, was a time for Clay to save his job. I think, uh, it's not now. So we had three more questions. They're kind of quick and, um, random detailed questions. First off, uh, Andrew in West LA said, Hey Ryan and Dan, I've always wondered this during daytime games. Why does USC stand on the North side and stare into the sun while the opposing team gets to sit in the shade where it's possibly, 20 degrees cooler added to the list of things that at USC that makes zero sense to me. If we put the opponents on the North side, not only would they have to stare into the sun like the Trojans were doing at ASU, but they would have to deal with the student section and some of the loudest and most loyal fans sitting right behind them. Thanks and fight on Andrew in West LA. Yeah. Good. You know, good points, Andrew. I, I don't think normally, you know, if you start the game 1230 because it's so early, uh, normally, if you have the in the old days, I guess the uh, the normal afternoon starting time, the sun was probably a little bit uh, to the other side of the stadium at that point, or certainly overhead, where there might not have been that much of an advantage, uh, <clears throat> one way or the other. Uh, but um, I think USC cho- chose to be on the side with the students. Uh, and I guess that's a, a, another way to look at it—to put the other, you know, the visiting team on the side where uh, where the USC students are and make them uh, contend with that. I don't think that's probably not how USC thinks. They uh, they would not probably try to figure out ways to make life more difficult for the visiting team that way. Uh, but I haven't thought about it a lot. I, I I would guess probably nobody at USC has either. This is just the way. It's always been. Um, I'm trying to think, Ryan, where do the Rams, uh, which side do the Rams uh, use uh, at home? I believe they're on the opposite side also, I believe. It's been a while since I, man, now i got to think about it again. <laughs> Crap. I know. I'm not sure if the Rams thought about that uh, when it, they were. It might be something, too, with just like the coaches from the box. It's easier if you can see what you're people are doing you don't see their backs it might be something like that because you know you have coaches up in the box i'm not exactly sure though it's good yeah the rams are on the other side oh the rams are on the, the press box side yeah oh not the usc side oh interesting according okay. to the photos i just looked up right now nice um, all right well yeah I, I don't know so i guess they do it but wouldn't that be weird to switch based on timing of a game like you don't see baseball teams switch dugouts <laughs> just because of a day game right yeah I, you'd have to switch you know, permanently. I think there aren't enough day games to probably factor in, to be honest, yeah. anymore. Uh, it's like, you know, once it gets to be late afternoon, it, it truly doesn't matter. But I could uh, see what, people in the stands on that side, like holding up, like it was hard for them to see. It so was really hot and yeah. hard to see. Yeah. Um, we have a text from Steve. It says, hi, Ryan. Who's in charge of game day atmosphere? Jordan Moore, question mark. Has there always been an exclamation point on Fight On? The loud music, videos of the players dancing, and such are embarrassing. They're embarrassing and take the focus away from football and the USC Trojan marching band. Fight On, Steve, 22-year concerned and upset season ticket holder. Yeah. You, you may have to explain uh, the exact – is he talking about on the video board with the – the stuff that they're, you know, those little interludes where they ask players questions or they have them singing. Or I think so. Just like the, the stuff that they do in the but TV timeouts. That's definitely not Jordan Moore's call. <laughs> no, um, that's why I laugh when I read but that. But they story. did, they did bring in a DJ, and that, and to me, and I, you know, I, I don't want to be like old man yelling at cloud, but it's really loud in the press box with the open air. Like the speakers are right at our level. 
And I hate like I can't, it's hard to even talk in the press box really? wow. before the game because they're just so loud with the what they're blaring all the music and stuff. So maybe I think it probably sounds fine for the rest of the stadium, but for us, it's just like ugh, this is terrible. Yeah, and if they even during the game, if something is coming out, they're you know some announcement, and they're trying to make an announcement in the press box where they you know they have a PA, they tell us you know, uh, a record just been broken or whatever, you can't hear it at all. I mean, it's just sound blotted out. I mean, so it, it's, it's probably louder than they need it to be, but, um, you know, and I'm not sure who picks the music, uh, but, um, <laughs> it's, and it, again, it's, it's not much of what you hear at practice. So, uh, cause you know, they do a little music at practice, but, uh, it's different. And, I think they might want to rethink it a little bit anyway. I don't think you've got a, uh, a a bad point there. Well, I think the unintended consequence of having that huge screen and having two speakers on the both sides of it is that that's your main source of audio, which is directly parallel to you guys. So, yeah. you know, but it gets, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like we try to do things from the press box. Like if you want to do like a little pregame video or something, it's really hard because it's so loud in there. I know? mean, Chris and I were trying to do an interview pregame with someone and we had to go outside of the Coliseum because <laughs> it was just so loud that we couldn't pick up the audio. So I will agree with that in that sense. But yeah. I'm on the younger side and I don't think it's that big of a deal. But Well, you couldn't do your job. so That's that was, true. But I mean, I guess besides not being able to do our job, it was fine. Okay. But that was pregame. But yeah. nonetheless, we have one final question. And it's a text from Marcel in the IE. He says, I'm watching the ASU Oregon game and the field looks like it's in excellent condition. What's the plan for the Coliseum next year? Who else will be using the field besides the Trojans? Uh, I don't know. Dan, I mean, you and I talked about this after the game. Yeah, no one else. No one's scheduled to use it besides USC that I know of. I mean, they'll they'll do some events there, but it no more no the, more Rams. Yeah. yeah, We do think the Rams are... That will be ready, right? Next supposed year. Supposed to be ready. Yeah, they should be out of here. So should be a couple more Rams games. I don't think doesn't look like they're playoff bound right now, right? So probably yeah. that's going to be it. Yeah, I, I just thought what happened last week was it was just so sl- slick because there was so much uh, moisture underneath, uh, and the grass had been pushed pushed over. I mean, it wasn't torn up all that much but uh, uh it was slick i don't know how much the rams had a problem with it they had a problem with everything else last yeah. you know but uh mark jackson looked like he was fine <laughs> yeah yeah he didn't fall down did he <laughs> I, I guess so he looked like the turf was good for him yeah so uh but it was slick you did see more guys fall down saturday than you normally do and i don't know what if there's a good answer when you have that much rain i don't know how you get it uh, get that moisture out of the ground uh, underneath. And so the grass, it didn't feel all that slick, but it sure looked slick and it was all pushed, pushed to the side. And so you weren't getting a, your normal purchase on the turf through to the ground uh, that you normally do. You were getting just more, you know, grass sideways. And, uh, and that was, it wasn't great, but uh you know, there, there's almost no way you can do perfectly uh, with two teams playing on the same field. It just There's just no way you can keep it perfect. We got one last voicemail for you, Dan. I'll play it for you, and we'll get you out of here. How you doing, Ryan? This is Lee from the Bay Area. Just listen to your latest show with Dan where we're talking about Coach O. I'm uh, just wondering, um, 
the in the uh, L.A. area, will you and Dan Weber uh, join uh, a team of supporters to go and support him? Just uh, just maybe bring that with Dan Weber, or just whenever you get a chance. Thank you. Fight on. Yeah, we were thinking that uh, we weren't sure how the uh, seating was going to go for the playoffs this year. And I guess the uh, uh, Glendale, uh, the stadium there, is going to get the Fiesta Bowl. They're getting the 2-3 game. And it doesn't look like uh, if you if you see, or LSU maintains where they are now, they'll be in the 1-4 the game in Atlanta. But if they end up in a 2-3 game in um, – in Arizona, I think there will be USC people who will definitely be going over there, and including probably me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, where could it? I just don't. LSU is not going to be playing around LA anytime soon, I would think. But you know, it's just not. It's not likely. But go, you know, go go travel. I mean, what? Go see Coach O. Go you know, take a trip somewhere. He's. He's doing an amazing job there at LSU, so go go support him if you need to. I mean, I do think if they play in Phoenix, uh, the uh, there will be some USC fans that yeah, will go over. I can see it to, to root for for Coach O. I think I just think that'd be, without a doubt, uh, and that'd be cool. And he yeah. he'd he'd like it. That'd be fun. Oh yeah, no, he would. Yeah, he would love it. Any USC fans, he would give them a fight on probably in the crowd or something. You know, maybe not, but he would uh, he would recognize you. You know, true. All right, well, I guess we should wrap this up. Um, you have any more questions, Keely? You're good. No, we have three pages, but we got through them all. Wow, nice job, uh, Keely. And Keely didn't, uh, you know, cut anyone off or anything. She loved it. She read <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I read all of them, Ryan. I do. No, come on, now we know that. So, you know, I do apologize for getting a little, you know, uh, chippy with some of the, our callers. Curtis, we love you. Paul, I don't know what the Marino Valley people are. I love you guys. Maybe I'm, I'm probably not welcome in Marino Valley anymore. <laughs> We just, I'm just trying to bring you back down to earth, you know, like it's good. It's good to have this positive attitude, but there's sometimes you just have to like, there is some reality stuff going on here and don't, don't overlook what's actually happening. Um, you can be optimistic, you can be positive, but there's some, there's some reality that USC has to deal with. And if they don't deal with it, it's going to be a long, you thought this was a long year. I mean, you thought last year was a long year. That could be a. I think it'd be a pretty terrible three-year stretch. Think about that. Holy cow! I don't want to think. About I don't it. want to think about that either. So, all right, let's wrap it up. Uh, Keely, you are doing an amazing job there. They got a Family Feud podcast. They'll be coming up. They're recording that soon. And Dan yeah. Weber, on the line. Enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday, everybody. Thanks yeah. so much for making us a little part of your day. We do love that you listen and tell your friends about it. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 